Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Hilary Kempnick. What makes Hillary so interesting is that she has this entrepreneurial spirit and this willingness to engage the community on a public level. Her work is currently being included in the New York Times book, Finish the Fight, which is being published by Hoglin Mifflin Hardcore Books and Media, which is due out in August of 2020. But beyond this, her story is the story of so many of us that grew up on the reservation, but lives within her home state and that responsibility to family, which guides her. So let's jump into this interview with Miss Kempenick. Hillary, thank you for joining us uh, for with five plain questions. Um, let's just jump into it. Uh, first off, can you tell us about your background uh, and where you're from? Hello, I am Hillary Kempenick, and I am from Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa, that is located in North Dakota. I um, introduce myself oftentimes as a Nishinaabe. Uh, I try to identify with more of our original languages. Uh, one great thing about the Turtle Mountains, though, is that we have we're quite intertribal. So we have our um, Chippewa or Ojibwe influences, along with uh, Cree, Assiniboine, and um, various families can come from um, Blackfoot and so on. And I am blessed to have all of that. So um, that is my cultural heritage. I grew right up in the center of Turtle Mountains. I lived right across the street from where my father owned his business. So as a kid, I'd run back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) And we had, you know, family living all the way around us. So I was just that kind of kid that floated along, just getting to know all our elders in our community. What type of business did your father have? Um, he had inherited a gas station from my late grandfather. So it was a gas uh, gas station uh, called Redmond's, and um, it also had an oil change service. So he had that, and then in 87, he actually received um, a business loan from the state of North, the State Bank of North Dakota. And he opened up at that time was one of the largest convenience stores in the tri-state area. Hmm. Um, In addition to that, he had also um, uh, a lounge and off sale along with a dance hall. And then he expanded that into um, a a laundromat and car wash and kind of just saved his money you know he was very start he's a very smart businessman and so he actually now is a co-owner of the first privately owned bank by indigenous people and that is the turtle mountain state bank wow that's that's really impressive it it is (laughs) so growing up um around that how how did that influence your um I guess sort of you're you're planning uh, you're uh, trying not to jump ahead here. <laughs> how yeah? So how did that influence you growing up uh, with your I, father being very uh, focused like that? Um, it 
it still has a really good influence on me to this day, I suppose. Um, so the other part of my family are very talented within the arts, which I'm very proud of. And, you know, we have people who have been doing acting, um, you know, performance arts is very strong. We have a lot of musicians, uh, that are either, um, vocalists or, you know, instruments and so on. And also then we have our visual artists in our family. So um, my dad was a huge supporter of all of their careers and of course music and everything that's quite, uh, has a quite an influence in the Turtle Mountains. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things as a kid as I thought I was going to go into business, but my love was truly for the arts. So, um, but I do see that you know, as an artist, we're micropreneurs or, you know, entrepreneurs. We own our own small business. So, you know, trying to do what you love while trying to stay afloat as, hmm. you know, I use a lot of the things I've learned from my father and having that tenacity. So what, what was the influence for you to become an artist? Uh, um, you know, like I said, I have a lot of family who are mm -hmm. artists, and uh, my mom's oldest brother, Presley LaFountain, is a sculptor, and he had lived, he had moved down to Colorado before making New Mexico his home, and he was just amazing, and he is amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as a small child, I remember just seeing all these photographs of the work that he made, and just, you know just going out there and seeing the world thanks to the work that he does was, you know, influence enough, but I do, I always go back to Turtle Mountain and there's just so much art and culture there. Um, you know, so I just, I mean, just the people of Turtle Mountain and the land of Turtle Mountain are probably my biggest influences just as a whole. Hmm. Wow. The, a lot of, uh, a lot of artists, they, they go on to uh, university and college. Mm -hmm. uh, I apologize. I, I don't, I'm not familiar uh, if or where you went to school. Yeah, um, I did. I did go to Chill Mountain um, Community College. Uh, actually, when I was in high school. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was pretty driven. And so by my senior year, I was taking college courses. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it is actually a funny story. And so, you know, I did, I set my sights on University of North Dakota. Um, my family did not want me moving out of state. So I moved to the, to the border of North Dakota. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was um, at University of North Dakota where I was actually studying um, business, of course, as I mentioned, my dad. Um, so my original thought was I was just going to get my degree in business and then um, go back home and help with the family business. So I was studying business, but I also had an interest in computer science. I was really good at that at that time. Um, you asked me to do it now, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Technology's changed so much. But it was kind of a new market too for uh, digital arts. So I was kind of creeping in, finding myself creeping from computer and business school into art courses and 
by my third year, I was just completely done with business school and um, taking art courses. And I was kind of nearing the end of my um, educational career, I suppose, at University of North Dakota when I was married. And my husband had to move up to Canada to finish his master's. Hmm. So I didn't finish, but I had had thought, well, I could always go back and take, you know, another year or another semester and just wrap it up. But it just, it never happened because we started a family. Um, But I was always practicing the arts in my home. I, you know, honestly, I don't feel like I really was finding what I was searching for um, in the art department per se. So a lot of, a lot of the things that I have learned are through, um, mentorships and friends and just self-exploration. And a lot of my actual like understanding of arts culturally came from just growing up and we were always exposed to different people in the arts. So, um, and just curiosities, like I said, it was self-exploration for when it comes to what I know now as an artist. Hmm. The your experience uh, in school not finding um, what you needed within the department uh, was it just was it because of the the type of work uh, that they were that was within the curriculum uh, com- contrasted with your tastes in work uh-huh. or what well, was the shortcoming? I guess I kind of got there in an awkward time, um, and I'm just an awkward person. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I went to school and I started out in business school and all of a sudden I'm switching to the arts, you know, and, you know, I guess different departments are pretty, uh, protected. And so they want to know who's serious and who's not. And so I see part of that, but also, um, our department chair had retired. And, you know, one of the things is I absolutely admired our department chair and then she retired. And so they didn't really have, um, you know, someone solid in the leadership position. We had a lot of people who were experienced artists and instructors who were on sabbaticals also. And so we had, you know, grad students and so on who are just now getting out there experiencing the art world and creating careers themselves. So it, you know, again, even though we're paying to get this education, it seemed like it was a lot of self-exploration in itself. So Um, so that in itself was a struggle and just, you know, um, trying to help with family back home. Um, I had a lot of nieces and nephews who needed, needed extra help and that sort of thing. So, um, I guess like, it was just, my heart was kind of going back and forth to home, you know, as indigenous people, Mm -hmm. we tend to have a lot of hats that we carry even as youth. So, um, just wanting to be responsible and helping, helping out family is that, that balance just, you know, it was stopped really tough, you know, as a struggle. And then, you know, and then just the cost of college and especially arts, you know, in the arts, that's a, a lot of supplies that you don't realize that you're needing to invest in and so on. So it was actually quite expensive. Um, but then, you know, and then the course load, they didn't have like, you know, like you were asking, they didn't have the classes that I was necessarily interested in. So... I think that's that's something a lot of people can relate to. Um, you know, I, I I don't know when you went uh, to school. Um, <laughs> I'm going to age myself if I say. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I I was an undergrad in the mid '90s, 
And I was in a similar situation. I was at EUSD uh, down in Vermilion, and it was a fine arts program. Um, and very early on, I realized I wanted to be uh, like an illustrator or a mm-hmm. uh, storyboard artist. And so um, it was kind of the same, a similar situation where I just, uh, they, what they were offering wasn't what I needed. And eventually it, I moved out to California. Um, but even like the family, uh, the family obligations, um, a lot of uh, native youth, when they, when they go to university, uh, they're, they still have that connection back home. Um, and oftentimes uh, many do return home uh, to help family out, uh, to help their parents. So that's, yeah, that's uh, something I experienced and many, many of my friends and family experienced as well. Right. Yep. And, you know, there's value in that too, though, Mm because we're, you know, we're learning a lot. And, um, you know, I remember when I was in college that there were, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm not even quite sure what the the term is for it, but, you know, we had these parents that were, you know, coming back to receive their education, maybe 10, 20, even, you know, 40 years, you know, after what, what the um, expected age is to do this. And they were coming back in and they were doing it all. And I found that really amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. So one of the things for me is like, it's never too late, you know, whatever my decisions are is that, I could always go back to school. And I suppose that was part of why I wasn't so worried whenever I had to leave, you know, when I was so close to graduating that I was ready to, or that I can, I could always come back. But, you know, when I started looking, um, it was, it was just too expensive. And in my mind, it was like, I don't need a degree to practice, you know, what I love, what I enjoy mm-hmm. doing, and I can just keep doing it. So, while I was raising my children when they were young, I continued that practice. And then soon, soon enough, I was actually developing my career too. It wasn't just a hobby. I was creating a career for myself. Um, but I actually did graduate um, two years ago. I did oh. eventually get my, uh, my four-year degree um, in, in visual arts. Uh, it turned out that I did have enough college credit to actually graduate um, and so then there's, you know, that part of the miscommunication also that lied within the university. Yeah. Wow. Um, this must be a shared experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, yeah. It, well, if there's any fellow uni- University of North Dakota listeners out there, um, you might, and you didn't graduate, you might be able to, because to what I understand, they were looking for th- over 300 people that were eligible to graduate and didn't. Wow. Wow. That is something. Yeah. Check back with your universities if you were just only so close. Absolutely. Wow. Um, Going back to to what you said about, uh, you know, a lot of um, individuals, they do go back to school uh, later on, you know, um, with their families and whatnot. And I found that that creates a very rich and secure experience for younger students going in, um, having, yeah, because it almost feels like it's older cousins or aunts and uncles that are there with you, uh, a little sense of security, which is nice. Um, yeah. So how have you developed your career, uh, either through college or or post-college since then? Yeah. Um, 
Well, I guess, I, you know, I've been practicing the art since I was really young. And I actually was, you know, had that experience of being an entrepreneur also as an artist when I was a kid. Um, I would, I don't know, more like crafts, I suppose. Uh, but we had like these little craft fairs and stuff. And so my grandparents and my parents would give me a little money. And I, the first thing I would do was go spend it in, you know, the Ben Franklin arts and craft store, <laughs> you know, just six miles off the reservation. And so I would go to these little markets and started that. So I already had like an advantage, I suppose, um, what when it was time to start getting into it. And, you know, honestly, it was really frustrating because people knew my work, um, you know, here and there, maybe not online, but people have seen my work and I've, I had kept trying to push myself into these situations and I would apply here and there. And it was just for a while, it wasn't happening because I didn't have that degree, you know, um, for some people, they really wanted people to have that degree, but you know, it didn't stop me. I would, you know, find these smaller, um, maybe up and coming little galleries or arts organizations that I could get involved with. You know, maybe they were just like pop-up shops and that sort of thing where I could put my work in and just, it was slowly, you know, opening up those doors for myself or, you know, building my own <laughs> sort of venue. And, um, just over the years, I guess, uh, I think for me, um, I got into a couple small art markets and that just slowly was giving my chance because, you know, museums were not quite interested in me yet because they didn't have that portfolio. Um, but when they would have like art contests or, uh, you know, open to the public submission type of things, that, that was, for me was really an important role in it. And, you know, again, that, that perspective of thinking of it as a business was really important because I knew like I had to present and like, this is what I have. This is, you know, the, you know, summarized statement behind those pieces. And this is what my asking price is. And, um, you know, not everything's for sale in, in terms of creating art, of course, but saying, you know, like I do wholesale retail, that sort of thing. Just having that language was really helpful for me to try to make this a sustainable life or career. And how have you uh, seeked opportunities? Um, so, you know, word of mouth is really helpful. You know, if you have friends um, in the arts, that sort of thing, that really can give you uh, a leg up on opportunity. If you don't have... <laughs> connections in the art world you know I, I'd say start attending things um because that's how you get connected and meeting people and you get to introduce yourself without you know um bringing your work with you is just th those initial conversations are really important so if museums or galleries or you know like I said reach out to your local arts nonprofits and see what type of events they're bringing in or just you know offering to do a little volunteer work I do urge caution with volunteer work um, because then you're setting yourself up, or in my opinion, I could be wrong for some institutions, but sometimes when you volunteer, then it's just expected to do everything for free. And, you know, mm. we want to make sure that we are being um, compensated properly. So 
But like I said, just expanding out there and getting involved um, both locally and, you know, uh, regionally is really important. And sometimes you'll see an opportunity in another state, you know, why not apply, you know. But the biggest part of it is documenting everything that you create. Documentation is something that I've learned um, is really important because they want to see what you, where you started and where you're at now. So you, you work with the, the Grand Forks Foundation for Education and the Alumni Network? Yes. And also the, the North Dakota Indian Business Alliance Board of Directors? Yes. The, Can you the, talk? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was going to say if you could speak to that experience. Um, I was welcomed or invited to be on the board for the Grand Forks Foundation of Education um, last year. And so I feel like this past year has just been a learning opportunity or learning experience, um, just trying to get a feel of what they all do and how important all of these decisions are. Um, one of the things, reasons, I guess, that I was invited was that um, the lack of di- diversity and representation on the board. So... I was invited, and I I do actually have some experience with working within the schools. I was a um, I was a art an artist in the classroom, and hmm. that is a program. Basically, some refer to it as art on the cart. As you know, arts are cut first when it comes to budgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they didn't really have an art program. So the edu- the elementary school offers uh, this artist in the classroom where we come in for 17 classes and we bring in you know our supplies and everything and then we do the- we do these uh, projects with students so I think that experience in itself along with being an indigenous woman um, with children in the school and my advocacy just brought me into this in the spot and so we have to do a lot of brainstorming on you know how how we're spending out this money that we're also fundraising. Um, but, you know, again, there there's experiences that I have that I've been able to bring to the table that, you know, otherwise would have never been heard of, you know? Hmm. So it, it's definitely been a blessing to be part of it. Um, unfortunately, it's been due to COVID, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, it, it's um, delayed and prevented a lot of things that I've, otherwise would have participated in mm-hmm. yeah i'm with the uh the fargo arts and culture commission here okay. in town yeah. and we haven't met in eight months um oh, wow just you know just just because of covid so it's it's been tough uh, especially with the public the public art projects that we we want to be doing so right. and that we've been doing for years yeah and the um the uh business alliance group i was just invited to that right when COVID started so we haven't been able to to really meet but that you know that's pretty exciting there's a lot of different programs out in bismarck that want to um come in and just you know make more of a statewide reach and be supportive of people in the arts so i'm glad that you know we're starting to see that artists are being seen as you know they're they own businesses they're their own small business Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'll have a lot to bring to that just just from my own personal experiences and thanks to things like I actually did a training through Springboard for the Arts uh, okay. the trainer 
um, as I believe you also have done. <laughs> True. And, yep. yep. And then through First Peoples Fund also, I was a grant recipient of that uh, five years ago. And that brought a, you know, that that was like my first big grant. And so, and, you know, I'm not very, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm always short of words. I stumble on words, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, learning how to write grants and understand those type of equations and planning out processes was really helpful. And just, you know, I have done, you know, the artist and business training also through them. And so I, that eventually when, you know, we're able to come together collectively for that organization, I'll be able to bring a lot of insight both as an artist and then just experience of training and so on. I think that's such an important part um, for artists to learn is, is the business side of, mm-hmm. of their work. Um, it's something that's not taught in school. Right. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's sort of this, you're, you're set free once you get that diploma, right. but then you have to figure out how to make it, you know, how to make a living from your work. Yeah. I, I believe that um, any schools that are offering degrees in art should also be looking with working with the um, business schools also to create some sort of curriculum to understand some of that, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, some of the accounting that goes with it and, you know, understanding how to apply for, you know, your, your tax numbers, your EINs and so on. Like there's a lot of jargon in there that we don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and if we want to do it correctly and, you know, not be audited by the government, you know, we have to have all our ducks in a row when it comes to that. And, you know, it, there, you know, some states are very um, generous with their knowledge and very patient and helping you work through some of that. But it w- I just think it would be so wonderful if that was just added into every curriculum nationwide for any artist. But then we also have that complexity of artists who still live on the reservation and so on. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of layers to it. I want to sh- switch gears here just a little bit and ask you about um, your experience with Finish the Fight. We'll finish the fight. Uh, yes, so excited. Okay. <laughs> um, so, finish the fight is a, a book through the New York Times um, authors, and it, it. I was approached to do a portrait for it back in early February, and honestly, that January, February, March is a very busy time for me, and so sometimes emails kind of get missed, but for whatever purpose, that email caught my eye. And they had asked me if I would be interested in participating in this book project. I'll finish the fight. I, I want to make sure I'm getting the correct information here while I'm pulling it up. But finish the fight is a book that is generated for, you know, kind of that middle school age um, student. And it is talking about the suffragettes that may, maybe were not talked about in um, other historical books and, you know, chapters or whatever. So this is talking about, you know, um, the BIPOC community. So you've got, you know, black, indigenous, people of color, and they're left out of these stories. So they wanted to make sure that they're highlighting um, different people. And so 
you know, there's hundreds of people from the BIPOC community that participated, but they really had kind of um, narrowed down to just a few um, people. And we have two Indigenous people mentioned in this book, which I think is really wonderful because a lot of times, you know, when we are talking of people of color, uh, you know, Indigenous people can be overlooked. Mm -hmm. So this is really, really a great way to start, you know, um, learning more about our histories and, you know, saying, well, who else, who else participated in this? So my portrait is of Zitkala Sa, and um, she she was actually from Yankton, uh, the Yankton area, where she ended up going to boarding school, which is kind of a, a common story for so many of us. And, you know, it was a portrait of, you know, this portrait was someone that I've always wanted to to work on. Um, but I just, ne- you know, there's just so many uh, Indigenous women that I want to highlight. So she was just, she was on the to-do list. And then, you know, I got to bring her to the front of the list of just women that I wanted to acknowledge that are inspiring. And uh, she was actually a writer and advocate. Um, and But she was really talented. She's, she's just like, I always think of how she reminded me of my daughters. My daughters are all are very ta- talented too, and they have a lot of different disciplines that they enjoy. So, mm-hmm. you know, she received that um, education, that education that um, is put, I suppose, pushed on us, that col- colonized education, and she had taken that and she used that as a power, you know. Um, infiltrating systems I suppose (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know they were it was still that um, you know uh, save the man kill the Indian kind of concept but it backfired uh, on them with her Mm -hmm. and she took that education and fought for our rights with it while still hanging on to her cultural practices and heritage so you know like I said it's it's really amazing Um, the book comes out on August 18th and that can be, you know, you can look it up, finish the fight. And if you go to the Huffton Mifflin Harcourt page, they actually tell you where you can buy it. You know, you can buy it through them or other other businesses. And you can get ebook, or uh, audiobook, or the hardcover. But I recommend the hardcover so you can see all the beautiful artwork that's in it. Absolutely. I'll, I'll try to put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. Okay. So I, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, that was really exciting too. So, um, I can talk all day, I guess. Please, <laughs> um, please. Yeah. So one, one of the things that's really cool about this is that, you know, it was, I mean, we, I did have its own set of challenges cause I had to make this portrait, which I take my time with portraiture, but I had to hurry up and create this portrait. But I knew what I wanted and that was, you know, one through experience but I had a timeline to meet for them, of course, but I was also traveling. So I got this, you know, image finished within by the end of February while tra- traveling to places like New York and <laughs> um, so on, Minneapolis and all that. So I get this image done. I didn't, you know, and I had to sign a contract. So I still own the copyright of this image. And see, again, this is where business school would be really helpful and understanding copyright law. So I own the copyright to my image. I still own the original because it's a painting that I digitized. They're licensing the image from me. 
But due to COVID, of course, then payment, me getting paid was an issue. So you really, I, I was, I found the irony in having to advocate for myself about a book that had to deal with advocacy. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the end, it all worked out and everything's great. But my, I have two very talented daughters, um, 16, and the other one's going to be 13 soon. And they're both really talented. And just um, my eldest blows me away with her illustrations. So I sent some of my daughter's illustrations to the art director who I had been working with and saying, hey, just I want to show you a few illustrations that my daughter creates. She's probably more oriented to, to who you're looking for when it comes to arts. Um, she, I'm, she would happily, you know, do some work for you if you're ever needing to. And so that was me using my privilege and my experience to open a door for my daughter who wants to, you know, find work. But how do you work right now with things like COVID holding you back? And of course, she's in school. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of a, you know, again, using those privileges. And that's one thing that I try to make sure that I do is because there's so many people that have, you know, helped me out or direct, put me in a direction that I needed. Um, so I want to pay that forward, not just through my kids, but, you know, other people that have, are needing that also. No, that's great. Uh, you know, we, we have we started up uh, a summer art institute here uh, for high school and college age students um, called the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. So I I invite them to apply uh, for next summer if they're available. Um, it's a two week program. Uh, it's it's Native American students, uh, mostly Native American staff. Um, this year it was all virtual uh, because of everything, mm-hmm. but we're. The intent is to have a two-week uh, in-house program where uh, students can learn from uh, artists and, and and all that. So I, it sounds like they'd be a perfect fit for for a program like this. Yeah, I definitely have to take a look at that. That sounds amazing. Um, one of the things with my artwork, though, you know, um, the actual art itself. I guess I don't feel like we've talked too much about it. A lot mm-hmm. of my work has to do with empowering Indigenous women and Indigenous youth, and that the indigenous youth component has always been a constant in my work, even as a child myself. And so integrating that art into advocacy has been also a great privilege and honor. And I was part of a fellowship a few years ago called Intercultural Leadership Institute, where they brought us down. We, we got to see different parts of the country and we went to San Antonio and they have this amazing program program there called SACI. And that is for um, students in the arts that are interested in the arts. And it's like a, it's an after school school program and they have their own facility and they bring these students in and they're getting school credit for it, maybe college credit. They're learning all this valuable, you know, education. It's, you know, high demand, of course. So when you get in, it's quite an honor. Um, And they actually will sell your work for you. And what they're doing is they actually save, you get some of the money immediately and then they create a savings account for you with a portion of it. And of course, then they use some of that sales to keep the business organization open, but they create this savings account for you. So when you're 18, you can use that to, you know, help pay for your tuition or, you know, maybe buy a car or whatever your needs are to get started. 
you know, in adult life. So it's, you know, I love seeing what you're doing and, you know, all these other programs all over the United States are, you know, they're seeing that need for students and how important arts are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of good work. And I think it's a matter of communicating that to, to each other. Um, Yeah. No, wonderful. So, I mean, with, with that being said, uh, what would you want to say to, to the, the young person listening to this, the, the 18 or the 22 year old that's, that's starting out or even the 15 year old, um, looking at a life in the arts? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it's the same thing where I'm, I'm going to say, you know, reach out, volunteer, attend events, um, have patience and grace with yourself. (laughs) And of course have patience and grace with others too, because, um, you know, it, it just, everything is going to take time, um, building up in your practices, you know, it's going to continually evolve. I mean, I, I have mentors who, you know, they're in their late seventies and they're still developing their art, their practice. So, you know, it's just, you are constantly evolving as artists and, you know, ex- exploring different mediums and so on, but really getting to know what the arts, where that can take you. You know, I, I never, I ended up being a studio artist, but I never thought of being an art director for a publishing company or, you know, teaching or starting nonprofits or, you know, we're actually starting to see artists getting involved in politics um, and taking on um, political offices and so on. So, you know, having, you know, branch out and seeing different type of artists and what they're doing is really helpful. And, um, you know, keep track of all the work you do, even if you don't think it's good. <laughs> I That's one of my things. My daughter can be really hard on herself. And, you know, everything takes time. And maybe you're just, you know, frustrated. But someone else might, you know, find that really amazing what they've created or what they're, you know, where they're going with the pieces that they're making. So have, again, you know, having that grace and patience, believe in yourself, you know, um, and just, you know, enjoy it. You know, that's one of the, the hard things for some people is that we get so focused on the career part of it is that we stop enjoying creating the art, Hmm. you know, so, um, enjoy the art, you know, maybe, Maybe make, I, I do this a lot, actually. I don't share all of the work that I make. Um, I'm looking around my studio right now, and there's just so many different types of mediums that I work with. And so many people don't know of that. But that's so that I can have, find joy in, in the things that I make for myself or hmm. you know, just continuing traditional practices and so on. So where, where can uh, someone find your work or get in touch with you um, about your work? Um, I do have a website that is, okay, bear with me. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to spell it out. And so it's www.hillarykempenick.com. And so Hillary, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y, Kempenick, K-E-M as in Mary, P-E-N as in Nancy, ich.com <laughs> and so that that's my website and if you click through it um, I have links to my Instagram uh, Facebook and 
I also have an Etsy page if people are interested. And I'm actually going to be rolling out. I actually have just only a few original art pieces on there. But I do have a clothing line on there. And I'm about to launch my jewelry line also as I sit here staring at it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, that's that's all on there. So you'll be able to take a look at it. And of course, email. Email is always a good way to contact me also. And And if you don't hear back from me, email me again. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have a, you have a beautiful webpage. Um, It's laid out real nice and clean. Uh, Yeah. So well done on that webpage, Um, which is something a lot of artists should be doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. They actually have really good. I actually use um, the platform Weebly and you can create, you know, just like a Weebly.com and then have your name at the end or you they can help you buy your own domain, which isn't too expensive as long mm-hmm. as no one else owns it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, that's another conversation in itself is just, you know, how are you going to advertise yourself? Are you going to use your name or do you have a pseudo name? All that sort of thing. So it, it could get really complicated, which is why, again, I advise taking some of those business classes like in accounting and advertising um, just understanding a little bit of the law, so business mm-hmm. law. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the website, everything. Basically, I have learned how to do all of that. I have been doing all my own work in terms of websites and um, managing social media accounts and all that sort of thing. So, while I'm maybe making you know jewelry or a painting or clothing, I have to do all that other. There's a lot of behind the scenes work with it too. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for your time. Is, is there anything else you would like to, to say before we go? Um, I'm sure I'll think of it after we <laughs> hang up. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you for reaching out to me. And thank you to everybody that tunes in and listens. And, you know, thank you and everyone who, you know, support the arts, you know, um, especially right now during COVID, that's one of the very first things that people turn to is either practicing art or appreciating art. And um, I think that has given us a sense of grounding is just appreciating it, appreciating all the different art forms. So um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, You're very generous with this and I really appreciated this conversation. So thank you. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Hillary again for her time and sharing her story with us. And please, go check out her website, hillarykepenick.com. You'll find a link in our our show notes down below. But show your support. Uh, You can see her artwork. You can see what she's up to. And check out her her, uh, social media accounts. Her Instagram account especially is, is really a joy. So subscribe, follow her, and show your support. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. 
If you have a suggestion or someone that you would like me to interview, please find us on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. Also, if you're in the Fargo-Moorhead area, please come to the Plains Art Museum. Uh, Deanne Whitehawks She Gives is still up uh, for uh, a couple more weeks. And we also have other programming um, that we would really like you to come and check out. Uh, we have a new exhibition going up in September, uh, which contrasts um, Edward Curtis's photos along with uh, some of the, uh, the dresses and the materials that we have in our collection and sort of um, pushes back against this vanishing Indian idea that was around at the beginning of the 20th century, the late 19th century. So it's, it's worth checking out, and it's going to be a great... Um, education for those who don't really uh, know about those things so we're excited and we're very very excited about this coming up so yeah anyways thank you for your time you take care stay safe wear masks and we will see you next time